Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Here's your host, founder of America's largest business coaching company, Brian Buffini. Well, top of the morning to you and welcome to our second episode of what I learned from Zig Ziglar. You know, people always ask me when I meet someone famous or well-known, what are they like behind the scenes? And, you know, sometimes it's great. The folks are exactly who they present themselves to be publicly. They're the same behind the stage. And unfortunately, probably more often than not, they're actually not that. Zig Ziglar, though, was the genuine article. He really was that positive all the time. I spent a lot of time with Zig uh, in, at seminars, on the golf course, in restaurants, having meals backstage. He came and spent time right here in Carlsbad visiting our company. He loved coaching and what we, how we were coaching people. We took a bunch of flights together. He used to bum a ride on the plane many times, and we'd hang out together. So I spent a lot of time with the man, and he was just the real deal, and how he treated his wife and kids, his staff. He really was the same guy behind the scenes as he was on stage. So today, Zig kicks off this episode by talking about cold, hard cash. And you'll hear a progression of a story he told many times, how the story got better over the years. I hope you enjoy this. It's fantastic stuff. They talk about cold, hard cash. That's silly. It's neither cold nor hard. It's, it's soft and, uh, and warm. It feels good. And, it, and it's so beautifully colored. That will go, ladies, with any color scheme you might happen to have on. And it's so neatly packaged. You can put a bunch of it in a very small area. I like the things that money buys. I like to wear nice clothes, live in a nice house, drive a nice car, take that redhead of mine on nice trips. I like to eat out in nice restaurants. I like all of those things, but I love the things money won't buy. See, money will buy me that house, but it won't buy me a home. You can get anything money buys without a liquor character. You can't get anything money won't buy without character. Money bought me a really nice house. Actually, it bought me two nice houses, but it won't buy me a home. It'll buy me a companion, but it won't buy me a friend. It'll buy me a good time, but it won't buy me a peace of mind. It'll buy me a bed, but it won't buy me a good night's sleep. Those are the things I love. And I'm so grateful to be able to say I've got many of the things money will buy, but all of the things that money won't buy. And here's one of those dichotomies of life. The more of the things you have that money won't buy will enable you to get more of the things that money will buy. Reduces stress, conflict, and a lot of other things as well. Come on for money. Now, I love that story because you see them throughout the years. But later in the years, it, as, that, as you hear that story develop, it's here's money and the funny stuff of money, cold, hard cash. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Character. How does a discussion on money end up in character? How is that possible? I think it's crucial. I think it's crucial. You see, I think what happened for us culturally in North America, I'm including you Canadians in this as well, I think what happened is we got the cash and we didn't develop at the same time in our character. I think we had the incomes, but we didn't develop ourselves as people. I think we had the possessions, but we, we, we had a hard time keeping up. We didn't go up at the same rate the market went up. 
And that's the big stuff. And then what happens is, when the money's taken away, all you're left with is who you are. What does my mother say? Everywhere you go, there you are. One of those little motherisms that stay with you, right? And Zig says money's not everything, but it is reasonably close to what? Oxygen, that's right. I think this stuff here, and the reason where I'm going with this, is when you think about character, it's don't think of it in terms of right and wrong. I don't think of it in terms of someone gave you a change for you gave you a change for a 20 and you gave him a 10. That's not what I'm talking about. That not that type of character. I'm talking about as we develop as people. As we develop as people. And I, I really feel that this is the essence of the work of Zig Ziglar. Now, another part of character that I think is really cool and I think it's an important thing and was one of the things I was hoping for last night with, with Lou is a sense of humor. It, it's a good thing to laugh. Would you guys agree? And so, no, you know, nobody makes you laugh more than Zig. And so uh, I, I was talking to him about this and he, we, when, we, when we got into this, he used an illustration. Now, I've never heard anybody encourage someone to go to church in a way that Zig Ziglar does and uses humor. But you're going to hear his insight on a sense of humor, which he never really taught on, but I think is part of the essence. Zig Ziglar, every time you've ever heard him, he made you laugh. Is that a true statement? And he talks a little bit about the value of this. And I kind of like this because this is a, again, behind the scenes little comment that I think is very valuable. So let's take a little look at Zig on a sense of humor. Well, I love this next clip here. Uh, this is you on why you go to church. The benefits, or some of the benefits. Now, let's take a look. What does going to church mean? And I know a lot of people say, I don't go to church because ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there. I've never said this, but I've often been tempted to. Friend, don't let that stop you. Come on down. We got room for one more. And, uh, I've never said that. Uh, besides, if a hypocrite stands between you and God, that just means he's closer to God than you are. And that ain't a good position to be in, ladies and gentlemen. But people who go to church regularly as a family, it reduces drug and suicide, drug and alcohol abuse and crime. Out of wedlock, births and divorce, it reduces those. These people are far happier and healthier. They have a lower rate of depression, higher self-esteem, longer and happier marriages. And folks, as you know, the Dallas Morning News is a family paper, but look what it put there. Better sex. <laughs> All I'm saying, folks, is this ain't a bad deal. I'm telling you, this ain't a bad deal. Not only that, but those families earn an average of $110 a month more than those who do not go to church and admission is free. It's what a deal, as I'm saying. <laughs> now, I've never heard any pastor or preacher or, or priest give that recommendation on why they should go to church. You, you are quite the salesman. <laughs> well, I believe that a, a real sense of humor is the most important thing in a marriage and in a career. Mm. If you don't have a sense of humor, you're going to miss out on a lot of good opportunities yep. to have somebody laughing. If you can get somebody laughing, you've got a better chance of selling. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I've always believed that if you can come up with an idea that is seldom used or thought about, 
Those are the things that will make a huge difference in your life. Mm. The reason I still read at least three hours every day is I learned a long time ago that the more you know about anything, the more creative you become Mm. when you learn something brand new. Creativity and, and humor. I think those are two nice little uh, window treatments on the comeback trail. And uh, I think whatever you can do. You know, uh, last week, uh, my kids and I went to see it. We, we have a friend of ours sent us a DVD of a comedian called Tim Hawkins. And he was in town, and we went down to see him. And we just, we just went. He's a, he's a great, clean, family-type comedian. And he came in, and he did this hour and a half. And we just laughed for an hour and a half. No deep talks, no big lessons, no big talks on the way down, no big talks on the way back, except when Beverly was talking to me. And, <laughs> but we just laughed. We just had a good time. And I think what he's touching on there is, is humor and creativity, I think are two neat little things that are the window treatments on the trail, uh, on the comeback trail, okay? Uh, powerful stuff. Uh, Zig said some powerful things that, that have resonated over and over again. Uh, but there's, there's two things that over the years, um, you know, when you, when, you, when you get married and you have kids, like I mentioned to you, I remember, I never forget the day that Anthony was born. And uh, I, we kind of brought this up the other day. I, this is how Joe Cool was, okay? Mr. Organized. I get the little tap on the shoulder. Brian, Brian, I think my water broke. <laughs> Okay. Ah, don't panic. Don't panic. I'm running around. You got your bag. You got to this. I get her bag. I put it in the car. I put it in the trunk. Whatever else. I go in, take a shower. I take care of everything else. I'm doing everything. I'm getting organized. I'm making sure all the food's in the freezer and all this different stuff. I had my little plan. I'm like, like Tackleberry in Police Academy. I'm all ready to go and jacked up. I, I got down into the details. I sat down. I wrote a check to the cleaner who was coming later in the day, put her under the mat. I'm all set and ready to go. The whole thing. True story. True story. I get in the car. I'm driving on the way to the hospital. I had the car all set up, and I had towels in the car and the whole thing, whatever else. All set up, get down. I drive about mm, quarter of a mile down the road, and I look in the passenger seat, and it's empty. <laughs> True story. We lived in a community up here called Tierra Santa. And all I remember seeing, what has struck me was the sign said, you're now leaving Tierra Santa. And I looked over and I'm going, I'm leaving by myself. Here I go, over the center divide, boom, boom, back in. I come pulling into the driveway. She goes, where were you? I said, I was just warming up the car for you. (laughs) True story. You couldn't make that one up. So... (laughs) We get to the hospital, we go through the whole, you know, and all the Lamas thing goes out the window as soon as you get there. And so then, then, then Anthony's born. Now, here's the deal. Uh, let's see. I think, was, let me see. I think I was 24, 25 years of age. Got a family now. And I'll never forget, they're, they're, putting us, they're putting Beverly in the car. She's thinking about the grandkids, remember? And I'm trying to get him in the little car seat, and he's doing a little head jiggle thing. And I never forget the, the feeling. I, I close the door, and we're, the, the, the nurse that had helped deliver the baby standing on the steps. And I, get, I remember walking around the back of the car, and as I look over, she's still on the curb. And I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm around the back of the car, and I'm like, she's not coming with us. They're sending us home with this thing. We don't know how to take care of this thing. I don't know how to take care of a dog. 
And I remember getting in the car and I'm driving home and I'm like, they have sent us home with a child. And it's one thing to bring a child into this world. It's a different thing to raise a child. Would you guys agree? And, you know, what do you do? You fall back on what you know, right? You fall back on what you know and, you know, and your own mom and dad. If you fall down and break your leg, don't come running to me. And you, you use all the things. And we do all the things that we tend to do and we have habits to do and so on and so forth. But you, you just got married and you're trying to find this new way of, of raising kids together. That's your way now. And that's when, uh, shortly after that, is when I went to my first Zig Ziglar conference and I saw raising positive kids in a negative world. How many of you have ever listened to this? Is, is the world a little bit negative right now? And so that cassette series and now CD series has been huge and very influential in our family's life. And um, there's some neat stuff here. And I, I really think, again, I, I think one of the things that's, that's on the ropes in America today more than ever before is family. And we, Zig and I got into a bunch of stuff. We got into a bunch of stuff, ideal stuff. We got into stuff talking about... You know, and that I'll talk about a little bit later on, because I'm like, Zig, you know, there's an awful lot of marriages end in divorce. You've got a great formula for what happens when everybody stays together. What do you do when it doesn't work, and so on and so forth. And I'll share some of those things here that we shared off camera as well. Uh, but I, I thought there were some good things here, and there's some good principles here, again, for making a comeback. Whether it's raising positive kids in a negative world or courtship after marriage, uh, there are some neat, neat pieces here that are well worth our while taking a look at. So let's, let's have a little look on Zig on relationships, okay? Let's have a look at this. My wife and I have listened to Courtship After Marriage uh, since the day it came out. And, um, and most of the time I do a good job with it, and when not, she just puts the CD back in and <laughs> encourages me to listen to it again. So let's take a look at the, uh, the love in relationships. I think this would be powerful. With the children, well, let me just give you a few very simple basics. Rules without a relationship, folks, leads to rebellion. Uh, the things that you need to do with a child, you need to love them unconditionally. Not because they're handsome or beautiful or pick up everything on the floor. Not because they're a blonde, brunette, or even a redhead. Uh, you, you love them unconditionally, whether they make A's or F's. If they ever think that your love is going to be dependent on their, uh, their uh, performance, you have an insecure child. Unconditional love. Number two, start and end the day properly with them. Waken your child as you took them out of bed when they were just infants, kindly, lovingly, gently, and slowly. Take an extra five minutes. That's all it'll take. Go in their room after knocking on the door and uh, making certain they're not in a state of undress. And the first time you do this, you want to tell them in advance you got a surprise for you tomorrow morning. Uh, sit on the side of the bed and stroke their hair, depending on their age. Lean over and kiss them and say, oh, I just love you so much. I'm glad that God sent you to live with us. You're so beautiful. Today's going to be a wonderful day. You're going to learn a lot of things. You're going to have some fun. And this evening, I can't wait for you to get home and, and tell me some of the things you learned and what you did. Start their day that way. At night, if bedtime is 9 o'clock at 8.30, Say, now, you know, at 9 o'clock we go to bed. If you need to put the cat out and bring your bicycle in and call Charlie about the assignment, get both drinks of water and takes all three trips to the bathroom, 
Because at 9 o'clock, we go to bed. At 9 o'clock, you turn the television set off. Don't put them to bed during a commercial. That's the ultimate insult. You're saying, look, kid, I really love you, but hey, that's a good program coming on uh, next. The message is horrible. Now, understand we raised four, so we know something about the way children are. Greatest con artists on earth are roughly between ages 6 and 13. They, they're amazing. They, they have the capacity to rest with all the power at their disposal going to bed. And then nine hours later, they have developed a relationship, an attachment, a romance, a love for that bed that makes them inseparable. We understand that about those things. We also understand that on the way to bed, they're already thinking about when you lead them back there. They're thinking about all the silly questions they can ask you. Let them, because after about five minutes of it, they will grow weary of the game. Then in the next 10 minutes, you can bond with your child more than you've been able to do all day long. It makes a huge difference. Give it a try. Start the day properly, end the day properly, time in between will be so much better. And teach them the manners. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Teach them the simple little things. It'll, it'll make them more accepted out in the community. They'll make friends when they get away from being self-centered and concentrate on the other. Step number four, follow the example of the Jews. Here's an interesting fact. Bill Glass has been in 350 plus prisons, many of them many, many times. Bill Glass, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> has talked to thousands of men one-on-one -on -one in prisons. He said he has never found a single person incarcerated who really loved their fathers, not even one. And most of them hate their fathers. They take that hate out on you and me. 94% of the people incarcerated are men. We can build all the jails and prisons we want to. We can hire all the police people we want to. We can pass all the laws, hire all the judges we want to. We will never solve the crime problem until we solve the father-son problem. That's where it exists. Now, here's where the Jews have really done something extraordinary. In Florida, for example, <clears throat> there are 40,000 people incarcerated. 94% of them are Jews. 13 of them, not 13,000, 13 out of 40,000 are Jews. In Arkansas, it's seven out of 7,500 that are Jews. In the one military study they did, three out of 36,000 were Jews, and two of them said the other one wasn't. <laughs> now, now, what do they do that makes such a difference? They do three things, and it doesn't take long. You can do the same thing. The Jewish father to his son, whether the son is two years old, 20 years old, or 65 years old, says, bless you, my son. I love you, son. Then he gives him a big old hug and a big old kiss. Makes all the difference in the world. Now, us fellas, we hug and kiss our girls, but you know, when the boys get a little older, we are hesitant to do that. I got to tell you, when I heard Bill Glass, though my son and I have a wonderful relationship together, as close as 99 and 9 tenths percent of all fathers and sons are. But when I heard Bill Glass, I started back to hugging my boy and telling him how much I loved him. 
and a beautiful relationship became even more beautiful. When I see my son today, and he's the president and CEO of our company, I no longer stick my hand out to shake his hand. If I see him on the golf course or in church, and if he's got a three or four corporate clients in his office, I no longer shake hands with my boy wherever he is. I give him a big old hug. That's what we need to do with our kids. We need to do that. Express appreciation for them, and that gives them significance. Express availability, and that gives them importance. Express affection, and that makes them lovable. We need to do those things. Powerful stuff. Raising positive kids in a negative world. I have six children, as you know, and, and, (laughs) you know, that has been in our home since day one. It has changed our life. This area of, I've been vigilant about teaching our children manners, and now I've got a, my oldest son's getting ready to go off to college and play ball and do all that stuff. My oldest daughter's a champion horse rider. And, but gratitude and manners and those, those simple little fundamentals, it seems right now, you were years ahead of your time. It seems the culture has slipped even further, and these principles are more true and more needed even today, Zig, than the day you recorded that. No, it's even more powerful mm. and even more important. Mm. It's tragic that parents don't really pay the proper attention as their children grow up. Uh, because if the husband and wife get along, the kids know about it. Mm-hmm. If they don't, the kids know about that too. Mm. And worry comes about. First of all, you acknowledge that you're not the perfect father. Sure. But you do love your children. Mm -hmm. I love you, and I have brilliant thoughts about your future and what you can do with what we now know that we did not know five years ago. I'm going to work with you and for you, and I'm going to love you forever. And if husband and wife never let their kids see him fussing and fighting, they won't worry about divorce Mm. on you. Mm We've been married uh, for 60-plus years. Mm -hmm. I still court my wife every day. (laughs) That's a wise move. Oh, man. My wife's going to be watching this video, so it's going to be up in the ante for me. She's going to be asking me for that stuff now. Yeah, like I always tell people, if my wife ever leaves me, I'm going with her. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a great line or what? Yep, that's what he said. She's like the American Express to me. I don't leave home without her. And that's, that's part of the deal. You know, I, I, all your kids are different. My son Alex is just not a hugger. Alex, I, I, and so I always come over to Alex, and I'm always hugging on Alex, and Alex comes like, hug it, Dad, whatever you need. Okay, I get that. Okay, Dad, I, this must be some Irish thing. You need this, okay. That's fine, Dad, I'll do that. But that's the reason that, because I've been listening to that guy for years, Okay. And I don't want to go visit you in prison. You understand me? (laughs) Straighten up. One of the beautiful things uh, with Zig that happened, uh, a lot of different little neat things. But here's what I can tell you. I'll tell you two things. One was just inspiring to me. Zig and the Red have been married for 62 years. And we're talking, and he goes, it was September 18th, 1944, 914. 
It was the YWCA in Jackson, Mississippi. That's the first time I set eyes on her. And I thought, wow. I got to make up a story like that for me in Beverly. <laughs> I got to do something like that. But he has this kind of commitment, this kind of heart, and that, he, he shared that over and over again. And it's just powerful stuff. One of the things I said, I said, Zig, we're living in a, in a world right now where a lot of folks are having trouble, and they've had, we have blended families, we have so much divorce, there's been so many challenges, so many uh, challenges in relationships, and, you know, on an audience's size, that's been certainly many people's, heartache and hurt and pain from the past and all those kinds of things. And my advice, my, ask, my question to him was, I said, well, Zig, you know, you've created the optimal and we should all shoot for the optimal. What happens when, when the glass gets broke? And he said, Here, here's the be-all and end-all of everything. He said, one, love them with everything you got. He said, two, if you can find one thing to have in common with the person you were in relationship with, agree on how to love your kids. And I thought, you know, that, that, is, that is profound advice in a world that needs that stuff. And, um, you know, where's all the dads in the room? Let me see your hands. Where's all the fathers? Okay. Okay. Dads, our job cannot just consist of turning off the lights and yelling. Okay. <laughs> Although that is a major part of the job. Uh, when we sign on for this deal, we got to really commit to it. And I, and I do believe, and, I, and one of the things that I think that's part of you know, the passion I have. And now at Mastermind, we're talking about a lot of different things. But if guys step up and say, okay, this is what it means to be a man. You know, the, the movies say, here's what it means to be a man. But we need to step up in different ways. And if, if you, you have a child in this world, you've got to step up and be a real man and be a real father and lead and lead by love. And I think that's one of the things that I got over and over and over from Zig. And I think one of the things that needs to make a comeback right now is men need to come back and be men be real fathers, love their wives unconditionally, and love their kids unconditionally. I think that would be a great comeback. You know, this recording is uh, 13 years old, which means, you know, my kids are all grown now. Uh, but like I mentioned, you know, raising positive kids in a negative world was playing every day in our house, through the speaker system, in our car, um, every day. And it had a huge influence in, in contributing to the well-being of our family life. You know, people who attend our mastermind, I've been blessed for the, the 22 years we've been doing mastermind. I have my family sitting in the front row. And people are always kind of taken back by our kids and how together and how into it they are. And they're kind of a product of all this stuff we teach. And when I think about, you know, what made our family our family, well, I thank the good Lord above for his grace and mercy. I need to thank a fantastic wife in Beverly. Um, but I'm also thankful to Mr. Ziegler. Um, he helped me raise positive kids. He gave me content and shared insights uh, that really we did infuse and believed in our heart of hearts were true, and it's made all the difference. And so as we finish up today, this was a very emotional thing to bring to all of you. Um, this man played a huge part in my development as a human being. And uh, I'm very, very thankful to him. I, I miss you, Zig. Uh, I love you. And may the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, Zig Ziglar, I know God has you in the hollow of his hand.